So now Jesus isn't just the the reverent person at church. Now he's our homeboy. You know. Yeah. Now he's our he's our cartoon or he's our joke. He's gonna yeah. drop by and have a bush light <laughs> and watch the Husker game. I think the main point is humans are gonna take the concept of God and in this case the person of Jesus and we're gonna fashion him according to our own motives and mindset. Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And this is Every Moment His, a podcast devoted to taking apart the sermon and applying it into our daily lives a little bit more in depth. That's right. Was that a good description of what we're doing? That's what we're doing, yeah. Just kind of spitball it every time, you know, so I wasn't really sure. <laughs> what are we doing again? <laughs> What's this called again? Yeah, every well, we're trying to figure out how the gospel applies to every moment. I think that it's in the title. Yeah, it, it is. It is, yeah. To be clear. Yeah. Yep. I don't have a joke today. That's fine, man. After <laughs> your last one, I'm going to just, uh, yeah. Um, you know, last week I, I kind of missed being on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Pastor James Deloche was, was uh, really great. I really like that guy. He's just he's just so, his voice is so calming yeah. and comforting, and he speaks with such confidence about the gospel. He's a pastor. He's a pastor's pastor. He's a shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. So I just appreciate that man. And I'm glad he was on. Uh, Next week, we're going to have another pastor on because you're going to be on vacation. That's right. Pastor Rob Kufner. All right. (laughs) Pastor (laughs) Kufner is coming. (laughs) No, it's Kufner. Kufner, yeah. Yeah. It's an inside joke. We'll talk about that maybe next week. But... um, Pastor Rob Kiefner, who is of Holy Cross Hall of Fame, he's been, he's walked the halls of Holy Cross as pastor here in the past. Uh, he's in Lexington now at uh, Trinity, mm-hmm. and uh, he's going to be our guest next week, so and don't no, miss and it. And another wonderful guy. Yeah. Gr- I mean, wisdom just pours forth from him. It does. Every time I see him. And I, I asked him for a lot of counsel. Yeah. He's very, very helpful. So, yeah, no dad joke. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not hurting your feelings, am I? <laughs> no, but I think you're, give the people what they want, you know? I know, like but <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to lace humor into this entire time. <laughs> okay. Even though what we're talking about isn't necessarily humorous, but. Um, no, it's not. It, it's not at all. <laughs> but Jesus had a sense of humor. He did. Um, yeah, I, you know, uh, camel through the eye of a needle. It's kind of funny if you think about it. Yeah. It's a good yeah. word picture. It's funny. The Apostle Paul had a sense of humor. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's get into this. Um, yeah. I, th- I thought the, the sermon that you preached um, on Sunday was phenomenal in that it took what the text was doing in all of its challenges and you brought it uh, right into our city. Um, so let's... Let's read some of that, and then I have some questions I want to think about with you and, yeah. and some things I want to talk and, over. And I think, yeah, I'll read it, and then I might explain a little bit why why maybe this was an uncomfortable sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, Even for you. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Kind of behind the scenes. Didn't VH1 used to do that? Behind the scenes of the music? Yeah. <laughs> My 90s memory is fading. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so this is Matthew 11. 
And this is verses 20 through 30, and I noted in the sermon that within 10 verses we get some of the most startling, really terrifying words of Jesus, and also some of the sweetest, most, most comforting words. All in 10 verses. So in verse 20, he says, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. And I'm just going to give you the summary of the next verses. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. The word he's using is woe. Woe to you. Not something you want to hear from the mouth of God. And then later on in the text, verse 28, these are the most comforting words of Jesus. He says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, and so today, what we'd like to do is talk about who is the real Jesus, because mm-hmm. sometimes we have a Jesus that we might prefer, like we might prefer some of the red letters over some of the other red letters, And sometimes we might even like fashion for ourselves a Jesus that's maybe more like us, maybe a projection of our goals or dreams, our society, our culture, our values. And so we want to just take a look at this bigger question of how society sees Jesus, how we might, and also who the real Jesus is. Yeah. So I I think... um to that point, you know, one of the trends you can you can almost look through history, and actually, a really interesting study would be to look through all of the art uh, in the Christian Church, yeah, a- in different eras, and see what they're trying to portray with the art. So, for instance, with regard to the Roman Catholic Church at the time of Luther, mm-hmm. uh, if you were go to go into one of their churches. Um, you would see uh, Christ the conquering, returning king, bearing a sword with angels behind him. Coming um, to roll Coming heads. for judgment. Yeah, yeah. Right. so the picture of Jesus was like this passage. We could woe say, to whoa, you, you know, yeah. on the day of judgment, it's going to be worse for y'all than for, you know, Tyre and Sidon, these kind of pagan villages. So if that's the picture of Jesus that you have, you can almost understand why people would just naturally be afraid. Martin Luther was terrified of God. He was yeah. terrified of Jesus. He and hated even, him, actually. And even the argument was, and this argument persisted even in it until now, you know, within the Roman Catholic Church. I've heard family members say, you know, I'm not going to pray to Jesus because he's holy, he's mm. perfect. I'm going to talk to his mom. Yeah. I'll talk to his mom. I'll talk to Mary, and maybe soften Mary him up a can bit. soften him up yeah. a little bit. You know, she's got his ear. Yeah, and I think that was the thing in Luther's mm. day was, don't talk to Jesus because he's an angry judge. Are you he's crazy? Gonna, he's gonna yeah. cut you down. Yeah, but talk to Mary or the saints, and yeah. they'll intercede and kind of soften Jesus up a little bit. Now compare that to today. What's maybe our picture of Jesus today? Well, yeah, I think, you know, if we were really honest about where our culture is at with Jesus, I think um, even if you just looked on the Internet for memes of Jesus, it generally is uh, 1940s Jesus um, or, you know, very, very delicate features. Mm-hmm. He's he's scooping the children up Yeah. often or um, maybe a little bit like Kip from Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like kind of a, hey guys. Yeah, just very mellow, passive almost, you know. 
Um, or, you know, there's a, a mocking version of Jesus that, you know, and this is not a kid's movie, but if you've ever seen the movie uh, Dogma, um, in the movie they're kind of re- trying to rebrand the Catholic Church, and they come up with this image of Jesus that they hope is going to connect with the kids. Didn't and, they know, call the it youth. Catholicism Wow? I yeah, think. Catholicism yeah. Wow. <laughs> and um, very irreverent movie. We're not recommending it. Yeah, we're not it, recommending referencing it. it. And, and they don't, instead of having a crucifix, like a blue yeah. crucifix, they decide they're going to unveil... Buddy Christ. Buddy Christ. Yeah, right. so instead... And the crucifix in the Catholicism is central. And I actually, I, I like that... Um, because it shows us the suffering of our Savior, but they're like, oh, man, that's kind of a downer. It's kind of a downer. Seeing someone die like that. And so they come up with this buddy Christ who's this kind of winking, two thumbs up, you know, Christ who's just, you know, bright blue eyes, big smile. Yeah. Um, And so there's these two images of Jesus um, conflicting. And the question is, well, which one's right? Which one's right? When I was in college, a lot of choose? people in college, a lot of people had these "Jesus is my homeboy" T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be a little bit of the same thing. Yeah, kind of. Uh, it, I think so because it, it's it's an attempt to take the image of Jesus, and we're not digging in the scriptures here, but we're trying to kind of pluck him from the scriptures and put him into a vernacular or a movement. And our era, you know, is very um, probably since well, the last. 70 years or so we've become less and less and less formal so now jesus isn't just the the reverent person at church now he's our homeboy you know yeah. now he's our he's our cartoon or he's our joke he's gonna yeah. drop by and have a bush light <laughs> and watch the husker game well and i think i know. think this is important to know okay i think the main point is humans are going to take the concept of god and in this case, the person of Jesus, and we're going to fashion him according to our own motives and mindset. So, yeah. and we, we were talking a little bit about, um, like the Che, Che Guevara, Jesus. He's like a revolutionary. Yeah. Which would have come about in, you know, the time where the yeah. social gospel, like the gospel, the point of the gospel is to free the liberation uh, of mm-hmm. poor people. And so they're going to use Jesus as a mascot. Um, to bring the poor up, which, okay, we want to do good for the poor, yeah. right, as Christians, That's but basic, they'll yeah. use it for that only, that motive only, so that the gospel becomes not a way to be reconciled to the Father, but rather a way to bring the poor out of poverty primarily. Yeah, and I think that the gospel will lead people to work against poverty but it is not the gospel. Right. And so yeah. in, in that scheme, Jesus would, would be a poor person, a revolutionary in image. Yeah. You know, and so there's all kinds of things like this throughout history where we see, okay, Jesus is going to be, and even we could talk about Americanized Jesus, you know, like real um, bald eagle Jesus, you know, and, and that's almost a caricature where people put apple pie and guns and Jesus together right. and they have like this image of Jesus as this freedom fighter for individual liberties, right? Right. And it's a dangerous thing to conflate um, mm-hmm. the thoughts of liberty with the thoughts of the gospel. Yeah. And so these things are happening all the time around us. You know, even the way we see Jesus, because, you know, if you look back at some of the pictures of Jesus, 
from maybe the middle of the century, the, the 20th century, uh, you get a Jesus who is kind of a blonde hair, blue eyes, white yeah. Jesus. And, and the reality knows, yeah. is that Jesus is most, we don't know exactly what Jesus looked like, but based on his home turf in the yeah. Middle East, in uh, modern day Israel, Palestine, he's probably going to look more Middle Eastern mm-hmm. and um, and not like we would think he would look like. And yeah, so I think we want to talk about all of this today, And but I'm going to go back to the text sure. and just kind of, as a pastor, and I think you'd echo me on this, Pastor Tim, a- as a pastor, our job is to be a servant of the text. Like, I don't want to get up and just say whatever I'm feeling or whatever's kind of on my mind, I want to be a slave to the text. Mm-hmm. I want to say, what is this text saying? And the first question I say is, well, what did the text say to people then? And then the next move, and this is the most important move, is what is the text saying to people now? And so in this text, you have a message of woe, like impending doom and destruction, spoken to people who thought that they were pretty special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were God's chosen people. Uh, I mean, there was this great uh, Jewish nationalism that people had, and, and 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 Jesus speaks woe to them. And so, in the sermon, I made the move to apply the woe to us, uh, both as um, Americans and as as Carneyites or Nebraska people. Yeah, and because I think there is a connection there between familiarity to the point of no- of inoculation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just kind of, yep, Jesus, God, guns, and apple pie. You know what I mean? And that's uncomfortable, though. And and that's where, you know, even last night as I was going to sleep, I was like thinking, oh, man, this that was a hard text to preach because you might have people who will hear that and then they'll just turn the TV off. Mm-hmm. And they won't hear the gospel. They won't mm-hmm. hear the good news of come to me. Um, yeah, So so you said in your sermon... And when I was listening to this, I was just, uh, just hit me right between the eyes. You know, you said, c- is it possible that Jesus might say, whoa, or pronounce this, this impending judgment upon Carney and upon the things that take our hearts, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we assume our righteousness, you know, we care much more for our lawns than, than for the poor. And Carney's got beautiful green lawns. And I've been like researching how to like make my lawn <laughs> green how to and get rid of those dandelions <laughs> you know and the yeah. clovers and i so i feel myself getting pulled into these cultural priorities and at the same time um the lord might have better priorities in mind uh caring for the poor the orphans not spent not being so vain about my the appearance of my home which is kind of a big deal and it's not to say that taking pride in your home is is a bad thing but being a good steward. Yeah, but yeah. it's not the same as the priorities of Jesus sometimes. Yeah. And we need to be aware of that. And that's it can it can become someone's priority um to w- to the point where they have this beautiful manicured lawn and yet they care nothing for their next-door neighbors. Right, or maybe we isolate ourselves in our neighborhoods and we don't see maybe places in Kearney where things aren't so great. And yeah. And uh or we're just I not even interested. Like, our religion can become our lawn. Every Sunday morning, I get up, I mow my lawn perfectly, diagonally. You know, all my mm-hmm. lines are straight, and I neglect the Word of God in my life. 
I neglect its implications on me. Right. And and I think another aspect of it is, is that I don't allow the word of God to mess with me because that's important. Uh, and this gets to our question of Jesus. Like, do you have a tailor-made Jesus that you've invented for yourself right. that you use to guard and insulate against his other words? I mean, can you can you have the Jesus who holds children and blesses them and also the Jesus that flips tables? <laughs> yeah. It might even flip your table. But but we have to remember, though, and this is the point I want people to hear, is that like, if, if the scriptures speak woe, I mean, God speaks woe as a means to an end, mm-hmm. and the end of your repentance and life in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and so we need to be able to hear the woe, hear it, embrace the word of judgment, and not resist it or, or avoid it or downplay it. I mean... God doesn't mix his drinks. I mean, God yeah. God gives it a hundred proof law, like this is sin, this is judgment, the wages of sin is death, you know. But then he also gives a hundred proof gospel. And uh, but those but through Jesus Christ we have life and forgiveness, right? Yeah, the uh, gift of God. Yeah, the gift um, of God. Yeah, so I think that's the, the key is to understand, you know, when we're listening to Jesus don't hunt and pick don't quote mine jesus don't find what you already agree with and yeah. highlight that and i think we see this all the time one of my pet peeves is when politicians quote the bible yeah. like oh please gosh. everyone like, stop stop it <laughs> because they're always using it you know and i think our hearts you know say you're you know you're you're leaning a little bit more liberally minded you're going to find those quotes in the bible that agree with you you'll find some jesus quotes that yeah. would probably trend that way you'll find jesus weeping right if you're a very empathetic person you're going to find jesus weeping for the death of his friend and you're going to say look jesus was a empathetic kind person but then if you're someone who's saying man there's a lot of messed up things in the world we need justice or you you know that kind of thing you're going to find those quotes of jesus coming back to roll heads you know yeah and that's what you're going to highlight and thanks be to god we have both in the person of jesus and I think that even with the scriptures, you know, you can find things more on what we would consider the political right. You know, people would mm-hmm. say, oh, y- you know, um, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. <laughs> yep. You know, we might just kind of trend in that direction. And, and, and so, and really we want, if the Bible is going to be quoted, let's quote it as Christians, mm-hmm. as, as uh, um, within the church, our witness as the church, because the church is the place where we're going to rightly interpret the scriptures mm-hmm. in a community filled with the Holy Spirit. And ideally, our motives are for the salvation of people, not to get reelected. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Using Jesus for an earthly means. Um, yeah. Not that people ever do that, but no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thinking about okay, dear listener, if you are reading the scriptures. Don't hunt and pick, but if there's something that bothers you, Pastor John, and you run across, okay, Jesus is saying these things about judgment as if there's a real judgment, Mm -hmm. Um, and it makes me uncomfortable. Um, What should we do when we come across something like that? That's a good question, Um, and I can answer that as somebody who has avoided some of the red letters of Jesus that he speaks I think what I've realized is that if there's something in the scriptures or maybe that I hear in a sermon that offends me, that tells me more about myself than it tells me about God. Because God is God, whether I want him to be or not. Mm. 
and his being, his character doesn't change based on how I feel or prefer. But if I'm able to go under the surface a little bit and look at my own life, I'll give you an example. If a pastor stands up and talks about money, and people get hot and bothered about money. Yeah, right? they, they clutch their wallets when you start saying anything about money. Oh, man, <laughs> here we go. Pastors are going to talk about money. Yep. Uh, well, Jesus talks about money all the time, right? They log out of their bank apps. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, now, now, granted, let me preface this. If, if your pastor is talking about money, like one of these guys on TV who says, yeah. guys, I'm trying to get money Every for a week. jet. Like, I want to buy a jet plane. Uh, so I can go preach the gospel, but it's got to have leather seats, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> temperature controlled. Um, you know, that, that's, yeah, don't listen to that. Like, that's a wrong speaking about money. Or if your church is talking about money in a heavy-handed guilt way, like you need to give to feel good about yourself, or you need to give to look good in front of the church, or you need to give to get God to like you and get brownie points. Mm -hmm. Okay, don't do that. But if your pastor is getting up and preaching the words of Jesus that, that says that, number one, money can be an idol in your life. It can consume your heart and your affection for God. It can crowd that out. And, and number two, it is actually a privilege and a responsibility of every Christian to give to their local church. The Apostle Paul talks about that at length. You know, if your pastor is going to get up and, and talk about that and that offends you, go deeper with that question. Yeah. Why does yeah. it offend you? Could it be that it offends you because your pastor is messing with one of your idols. Or right. as you read these words of Jesus, Jesus is going to maybe make you feel uncomfortable about the way you treat the poor. He's going to make you feel uncomfortable about your affections, what you love and trust the most. He's going to make you feel uncomfortable about the way you treat the foreigner, the mm -hmm. stranger. Yeah. He's going to make you feel uncomfortable about the way you treat the least in your community, the people you don't like, the people you don't want to forgive. Or the people you just don't care about. Yeah, and he's going to make you feel uncomfortable about the greatest idol in our culture, your sexual ethics. Hmm. He should make both sides of the political spectrum feel uncomfortable about yeah, their right. grasp on sexual ethics. With all of that and all the above said, sit with those words of Jesus. Yeah. Let him work on you. And take him to God in prayer yeah, and take him maybe to your pastor and talk well, about it. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't read the Bible uh, because they don't think there's really anything in there for them or they're not going to encounter a real dynamic person. And this is one of the secrets of reading the scriptures. Yeah, when you read that scripture, you find something that bugs you. Go deeper. Go mm -hmm. toward that thing. You know, I, I remember reading some of the um, the Psalms and just there's so much anger in the Psalms. You know, it's like, and I love, uh, you know, Psalm 139 is beautiful. It's like, hey, you know, God knit you together in your mother's womb. And then there's like this hard left turn where, it, <laughs> you know, the last four verses, he's like, oh, Lord, why don't you slay the wicked? <laughs> yeah. And usually right. we leave that out of our reading of it because it, you have to deal with it if you are going to talk about it because it's shocking. Like when I do hospital visits, sometimes yeah. I'll use Psalm 139, but I'll cut it off at verse 18 cause, yeah. uh, because it's a little bit like it's It's jarring. Yeah, yeah. It and I, I think that's a great example. Just read that Psalm, read it all the way through and contemplate those last four verses 
or you know almost last four then the, and he's saying lord why don't you undo the wicked people and bring them down destroy them i hate them even it says in that psalm i hate them with a violent hatred right and then he ends with you know lord search me and know my know my heart it's almost like he put it all out there and he's like all right that god but yeah check my back heart, me up you know, a little bit here little yeah bit. but yeah. I, I think the point there is the only way you can read that profitably is to understand God does indeed hate the sin that has corrupted his world and has torn down these bodies that he has knit together in, in, in their mother's wombs. And his love for his people actually compels his anger towards sin and death. Yeah, and I, I think I've made this point before in sermons is that God's anger is always related to his love. Mm-hmm. That if yeah. God is angry, it's because something that he loves has been violated. It's kind of like a mama bear. Mm-hmm. And you think about, you know, we, we become angry because something that we value has been viola- violated, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so um, another thing I would say, too, is that is that the ultimate goal of being uncomfortable is to be led to the comfort of Jesus. And, you know, we do a pretty good job in our culture of, like, owning people publicly, calling them out, maybe even canceling people. Mm -hmm. We do this on social media, and the goal isn't reconciliation. I mean, we we demand people to pay the price for their infractions, and we don't give them any atonement or forgiveness. Mm -hmm. But Jesus will make us uncomfortable so that he might heal us. And that's really the move the text took. I, I believe... You know, when we read scripture, we need to read it in context. And so as I'm reading these woes, I'm reading them in context of Matthew 28 through 30. Those verses, chapter 11, 28 through 30, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. I think that Jesus was speaking those words of woe for two reasons. He said, woe to you, Chorus and Bethsaida, Capernaum, because I did my works among you. You're familiar with my words. And most of you didn't repent. But there's always a remnant that does repent. Mm -hmm. And I believe that Jesus spoke those words of woe, yes, to confirm a sad reality for some of the people, many of the people who heard the words. But also I believe that he spoke those words because there might be people who have ears to hear and hearts to believe who will have heard that woe and it will move them yeah. into the arms of Christ where they will receive forgiveness and life. Which these are the words we love of Jesus, you know. And we, we should. We who have repented, you know, we love these words of Jesus who, that says, come to me and I'll, I'll bear your burdens, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's important to know that we have both in Jesus. Jesus is not just making idle threats here. He's not just playing a manipulation game. Like this is real judgment that will come upon people there's a there's a reality to his nature that is um hates evil and at the same time Mm -hmm. in the same person and this is what makes him compelling is yeah he comes to us gently he comes to us with the intent of love and to bring us out so he doesn't come to just bash us over the head like you're saying he's coming to show us this reality and then give us life give us the the life-giving words of comfort and so in the same person, yeah, we have all of these dynamics um, that we can't just make, we cannot make Jesus a mascot for judgment of wicked only, and we cannot make Jesus a mascot of 
everyone's fine, right? There's yeah, he's more compelling than that. Because sometimes, like people, some people might really be attracted to the the judgment of Jesus, mm-hmm. like you know, and you hear this where people say, you know, we got to turn America back to God, mm-hmm. and and so we need to, you know, judgment on the wicked, and and when I was a kid, yeah, you respected your parents. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's go back to prayer in the schools and and all this stuff, and and if we could just do that. Things would be great. Uh, and there is this kind of like desire to go back to maybe like 1950s America. Mm-hmm. But while there were some great things there about really 1950s are, yeah. America, like things that are good, there are also a lot of terrible things about 1950s America. It depends on who you were, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just like there's some great things going on right now and there's some really terrible things going on right now. It's kind of both. It's mm-hmm. always been that way until yeah. Christ returns. Now you'll have other people, and I see this happening, where people get really attracted to to the Jesus who welcomes sinners and eats yeah. with tax collectors and, and befriends prostitutes. And I love that Jesus, of course, because that means there's hope for us as sinners. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we might love that Jesus so much that we'll forget that Jesus befriended them to bring them out of their sins and mm-hmm. bring them into an, a new, better way of life. Yeah. So Jesus wasn't like saying, you guys are cool, you're great. He was befriending sinners to bring them out of sin. And sometimes we want to, in this sort of uh, progressive Christianity, mm-hmm. I hate that word progressive because only God is truly progressive. Yeah. We aren't. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, we're all regressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but there's this kind of feeling of, you know, like, let's not talk about moral issues. Let's yeah. not talk about sin. Like, let's just love people where they're at. Well, well, God loves us enough to not leave us where we're at. He, he will love us all the way down to the bottom where we're at. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and loved us completely. Romans 5. Mm-hmm. But he loves you so much that he will not let you stay where you're at. He yeah. will do you the justice and the dignity to your being to make you a new person more and more and more to be yeah. like Jesus. Yeah, to bring you into a, a healthy way of life. You know, and I think you did a good job of talking about this in your sermon is Jesus calls us out of those. He warns us and calls us to a new life of walking with him. And he does say, you know, your yoke, my yoke is easy, which yeah. is a work instrument. It is. He's like, he doesn't say, you know, come to me and then, you know, just float on the river with your inner tube. (laughs) (laughs) But he gives us a task that is dignifying. Mm -hmm. Like you said, he returns us to our our original purpose of serving creation in an honorable way. And even that that yoke that he might lay upon you, it it almost certainly is that yoke that he lays on you is is your cross. Mm -hmm. Because he says earlier, take your cross and bear it. But he is able to spread out the weight Mm-hmm. and make that cross bearable because he already bore it for you. Yeah. Yeah, so there's yeah, there's two pitfalls, you know. You can you can think of Jesus in in just the judgment way and that's not going to get you anywhere. You can think of Jesus in just the compassionate way and that's actually not going to get you the right place a- either. That can be a distortion. Yeah. Um and I I do hear this when people say Oh, the Old Testament God, right? He's the mean one <laughs> with all the judgment and the slaying. And, and the New Testament God, Jesus, he's, he's our homeboy. You know, he's the one who's just kind of, he's really bringing the love. And they ignore these words of Jesus, this woe. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and if you read the Old Testament, there is grace everywhere. I yeah, mean, when I think Moses that's one of the says, reveal yourself to me, Yahweh, 
Yahweh says, my name is, I am Yahweh, the compassionate, the gracious, the merciful, the slow to anger, the abounding in steadfast love. I, I, uh, you know, he says, I, I punish the third and fourth generation, mm-hmm. but I show my kindness to thousands of generations. Yeah. I mean, preach it. God's default mode is love and compassion. It's actually, Luther says, his alien work, which is his mm-hmm. not default mode, is judgment. Yeah. In fact, God it has a very like long fuse, and, yeah. and uh, judgment's always a last resort kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and yet, while there's all this grace in the Old Testament, there's also so much woe and repentance and judgment in the New Testament spoken by the words of our Savior. Yeah, and his apostles. Yeah, and his yeah. apostles. So just to well, be clear. And I think it's it's a lot like, you know, as as parents, you know, you want to be absolutely, you love your kids. You love them, you know. You want to be as absolutely gentle and beneficial to their growth. But if your child is running towards the freeway because he likes fire trucks and you're you have to shout at him you're going to shout to the point where he knows he gets a little scared yeah yeah um and i think that Mm -hmm. is you're not doing it so that you can harm him but rather so that he turns and so yeah so to go on that my default way of talking to my kids is gentle like i'm talking right now but when i see them like when they were like toddlers and they'd be running for the street because they didn't know any better. And I used to live on a corner lot. Actually, I live on a corner lot again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my kids have grown up and they've gotten smarter about traffic. But when you're three years old, you don't know any better. Yep. And I'd see that car coming around the corner and I would shout. I would yep. because I love my child enough to say, don't walk in that path because it's deadly. And that's why God raises his voice and even spoke, speaks woe to us. Uh, there's this great, uh, I just got to give a little commercial here. There's this great uh, lecture by a theologian named John Stott of Blessed Memory. He's an English Englishman. Mm-hmm. He gave this wonderful lecture at Harvard back in 1994. And the title of the lecture is, Is Jesus Christ Veritas for the 21st Century? And Veritas is the Latin word for truth. That was fitting for Harvard because that's Harvard's theme is, mm-hmm. is Veritas. And and uh, and he talks about how Jesus Christ is the most egocentric figure in history, but also the most humble figure in history. Because Jesus is he's egocentric. He talks about me, my words, my words, follow me, uh, even more than father and mother, right? Mm, like yeah, like right. last week. Yep. Uh, but he's also humble, lowly, right? Totally focused on the other and their mm. good. Now, lifting up the poor and the widow. Right. Like, and nobody and cares about you that. You just don't get this yeah. in any other religion or philosophy because, mm-hmm. like, okay, the Buddha would be an example of humility, not egocent- uh, being egocentric. Mm-hmm. You know, there's humility there. Muhammad would be an example of being egocentric. True. You know, I am the prophet. Yeah. In Jesus, you get this sweet, perfect combination of both uh which just makes his character compelling i think Um, we'll have to post that on facebook maybe that yeah that's a good good idea if anything listen to it for the accent he's got (laughs) such a great british accent you know yeah Yeah. so good so that i mean that's really the the point here is you know we want to all of jesus we want the real jesus we don't Mm want to edit him 
we and if there's any place where we're uncomfortable with him it's revealing something to us yeah you know not re- scripture is interpreting you there it is i was you about know? to say that but then you said it <laughs> i was going to say it then i forgot it so thank yeah. you for saying it <laughs> it was there yeah. the whole time that uh that when we read the scriptures it's not so much that we're interpreting the scriptures but they're interpreting us yeah they're reading us they're showing us who we are and what we need and I, I would just encourage people to to really stay in the game during this sermon series. Our next sermon series is going to be on vocation later in the summer, like being a husband, wife, single, mother, father, neighbor, worker, citizen, yeah. neighbor. We're going to go through all that in the uh, latter part of the summer, early fall. And that, that sermon series, I don't think will be as intense as this one. It'll be challenging and comforting, like all. Yeah. But, but I, I would say... This sermon series that we're right in the middle of is, is kind of challenging. It's, yeah. it's un- uncomfortable. It's been uncomfortable for me to preach. Mm-hmm. But I just want to encourage people to stay in the game. And, and really, if you've got questions, you know, come to your pastors with those questions. Uh, and this is another piece, too. Like, as pastors here, we don't give ourselves permission to edit the no, content that right. we present to you. And that's hard. That that is kind of the uncomfortable part. Is like, man, do my, does my church need to hear these words from Jesus right now? And we're like, oh, we're gonna go for it because these are the words of Jesus that we have been entrusted with, yeah. and we're not gonna like shade away just because it it makes us uncomfortable. You know? Yeah, and 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 to be honest, that's why we have a lectionary. That's why mm-hmm. we we yeah. follow a series of readings that other churches follow it's it's kind of like a, a reading calendar because and, and and to be honest like i don't know i'm i'm new here and you're new here people might wonder why don't our pastors preach on mother's day why don't they preach on father's day why don't we preach on the theme of memorial day or the theme of 4th of july mm-hmm. and 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 like i i love and respect and honor all those things like i sent my mom flowers you know yep right I called her yeah i called my mom yeah call your mom uh um, her present you know, make your wife breakfast or something, you know, stuff like that. And and we will pray, you know, and observe those things in the church of, in the sense of prayer and thanksgiving. But but I don't ever want my preaching to be dictated by anything other than the words of Jesus. And so, so he I... He sets the agenda. He sets the agenda. Yeah. And so if the agenda on that day, whether it be Mother's Day or Fourth of July or it be uh, any other holiday, if Jesus is telling me to preach... Woe to you, Chorison. Woe to you, Bethsaida. And come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'm going to preach that mm-hmm. because that's the word of God. And that word first has to work on me. Like, I first have to say woe to me. And then I have to come to Jesus yeah. with my burden before I can preach that. Yep. Yeah. So n- next week we're looking at the parable of the sower. We are. Man, I've been working on that text and so much going on there. Yep. Could I have 45 minutes for that sure. sermon? Absolutely. No, I yeah. don't think I can. I'll NTV, give it to you. And <laughs> TV won't allow it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're looking forward to that. And it really answers the question of, you know, why are there these various reactions to the word of God? Um, very revealing. Jesus is just such a masterful uh, storyteller in those parables. He um, kind so of, he, he kind of like, he uses a story to describe what goes on every time the word of God is preached. Mm-hmm. You're going to have these four basic reactions. Yep. So we're looking forward to that. I, I love that parable. I'd encourage you to read ahead as you're listening. Read ahead and, and puzzle through that. Let, let it hit 13. you. 
Yep. So we were looking forward to that. So John, did you hear about um, the nun that hitchhiked across the U.S.? <laughs> okay. She was a Roman Catholic. She was a Roman. She was Catholic. Roman. all right well god's peace be with everyone thank you for joining us thank you for waiting for your dad joke and uh we'll be on uh as long god willing we'll be on with uh pastor rob kiefner yep next week beautiful god's peace be with you